Welcome back. This is The Lottery Podcast. I'm your host, John Wasserman, lead NBA draft writer for Bleacher Report. This week's episode is brought to you by Roman. Not much has gone on um, college basketball-wise over the past week. A couple games here and there. Nothing major um, since last week when we went through my top 50 overall prospects pretty much through one month of the college season. Um, And so earlier this week on Monday, actually Tuesday, uh, we released my updated mock draft. And so I figure, let's go through it. Let's talk out uh, my top 30 picks uh, based on the current standings. Um, and, and, you know, the Knicks have the worst record right now, so we projected them to have the first pick. And Golden State, second worst record, so they're projected to pick second in this mock draft. Um, and, and we'll talk out team fits and, again, um, the, the best players available with each team's projected pick based on the current standings and the order that would correlate if the odds played out. So we'll kick it off again with the Knicks uh, picking number one. I mean, they're going to have the same odds as the next two teams, Golden State and the Cavs. Uh, however, the team with the worst record can only fall you know, four spots. The team with the second worst record can only fall five spots. So there is an advantage to having the worst record, even though the top three teams have uh, the same amount of percentage to get the number one overall pick. So again, Knicks right now will just say um, are picking one. Let's imagine that they win the lottery finally since Patrick Ewing. It hasn't happened. R.J. Barrett was their highest draft pick since Patrick Ewing in, I believe it was 85, 86, I think 85. Um, And so uh, anyway, I think if the Knicks were picking today and they had to make the number one overall selection, uh, I have them taking Anthony Edwards from Georgia. Now, actually, if I were to do individual rankings in a vacuum, I have LaMelo Ball with the slight edge. And I say that because I think he has uh, more of a well-rounded game with his passing. He can impact games and, and uh, you know, a little more ways than Anthony Edwards. However, if it's the Knicks picking, and I don't know who's going to be making the pick for the Knicks. I don't know if Steve Mills and Scott Perry are still going to be there. No idea. But what I do know is that there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure to get this pick right. And if the Knicks took LaMelo Ball, a, the media circuits would be nuts in New York. B, there would be even more focus, more attention. If, the, if he didn't live up to the hype, they'd get killed even more for taking LaMelo Ball. I think Anthony Edwards comes with less baggage. Not that LaMelo Ball has done anything wrong. He hasn't. He's actually been um, a good teammate, and uh, he's clearly matured over the years. But with all the extra stuff that comes with LaMelo Ball, unless the Knicks clearly think he's the better player, uh, than Anthony Edwards, I think they're going to go with Anthony Edwards as uh, both the safer guy and somebody who certainly uh, has a case for more upside with a 6'5", 225-pound frame, far more explosive than LaMelo, and a far superior score in terms of creating his own shot, in terms of shot making. And we just saw him go for 33 in the second half against Michigan State a couple weeks ago. He's averaging over 20 a game. Um, shooting threes at a decent clip, around 37%, making over two threes per game. And he's even averaging around three assists, showing some secondary playmaking ability. I've said it before, Edwards reminds me of a bigger, stronger Donovan Mitchell, almost with Devin Booker's type scoring ability and Devin Booker's size. Again, as well as that secondary playmaking, I mean, uh, you know, we always forget Devin Booker averages like over five assists per game in, in you know consecutive years. Um, and, uh, and Anthony Edwards, still 18 years old for the whole season. He reclassified in high school. 
uh, a good kid off the floor, no real issues. I mean, if, if there's one question mark with Anthony Edwards, I, and I apologize for repeating this probably each podcast, but it's can he impact winning? I mean, we know he could score. He can go out and get 40. I guarantee you Anthony Edwards is going to average over 20 a game by his second year in the league and probably by his peak be a 25-point score. But 25 points a game doesn't necessarily translate to wins, as we've seen with Devin Booker. Now, I think Booker's getting much better at picking his spots and figuring out um, his shot selection and, and, and timeliness of scoring. Um, but I think this stage, based on who else is left on the board, um, LaMelo and then Cole Anthony, who's struggled a bit in college, James Wiseman, who hasn't shown much at Memphis because he's suspended. And honestly, I don't think he's a number one overall candidate to begin with. Uh, I just think uh, in a down year without any obvious Zion Williamson or Anthony Davis or LeBron, uh, Anthony Edwards has the most favorable ratio of upside and a high floor. If I'm putting together a game plan for the Knicks uh, and I'm a little bit weary of adding LaMelo Ball to this organization that has been in dysfunction for so long, um, I'd, I'd pair R.J. Barrett with Anthony Edwards, have two big-time wings, and then go pay Fred Van Vliet. I'm a big Van Vliet guy. Uh, he's going to get. He's going to demand a lot of money. Uh, I'm sure the Knicks have him on their minds uh, entering free agency after signing all these guys to one-year deals and missing on the big guys last summer. Uh, Brandon Ingram is, is another uh, expected free agent who's going to command a lot of money. But uh, given how much the Knicks have missed the point guard over the years, I'm kind of uh, straying away from the draft conversation. But Van Vliet and then and Anthony Edwards at number one overall, I think that is a plausible um, uh, game plan for the Knicks. If the Golden State Warriors get the number one pick, by the way, um, I think Anthony Edwards is also um, a, a, a very quality candidate, um, not just in terms of, again, upside, but fit. And you may argue that he fits better than LaMelo Ball does in Golden State, who, based on uh, this current projected order we're doing with the Knicks picking one, Golden State picking two. I have the Warriors taking LaMelo Ball at number two just because he's the best player available and the guy who I have is number three. I, I have a gap between them. So at this point, I'm saying LaMelo Ball would be the best player available. However, if the Warriors are picking number one, uh, I think you could argue that Anthony Edwards is the better fit um, as the stronger wing defender. Uh, another guy who can go out and get you 25 and if, if Steph you know hits the decline, I mean, Clay is maybe not the same caliber scorer coming off his ACL tear. Um, Anthony Edwards gives him that scoring firepower. Um, and plus, I think Steph, no matter what, is always going to have that passing with him. So they may not necessarily value LaMelo's passing as much. Plus, with Draymond Green there, one of the best passers in the league, uh, the Warriors may uh, want more of that scoring firepower and defensive upside that Anthony Edwards has. However, Edwards has gone to the Knicks in this mock draft. LaMelo Ball at number two. I think he's going to fit in anywhere. He's just too versatile, too well-rounded uh, with his passing, with his pick-and-roll play. He's a good finisher around the basket, or he projects to be one eventually once his body continues to fill out. He's got very advanced layup moves. Uh, one of the best floaters you'll see, he can knock that shot down from the foul line out to the arc. An amazing floater package, and clearly has shot-making ability. He doesn't have the shooting consistency just yet, but he can make shots from 30 feet away. He can make, uh, you know, those dribble-dribble step-backs. He's got the whole bag, but uh, he's not at that level yet where he can execute them uh, consistently. Anyway, LaMelo Ball, to me, uh, is the easy uh, best player available at number two. Of course, there are going to be people out there saying James Wiseman is the better fit for Golden State. I just don't think that he's in the conversation um, in terms of level of prospect as LaMelo. I think LaMelo is just a better player 
a better prospect. And if you were to take James Wiseman over LaMelo, I think you'd be valuing fit over talent. And uh, to me, I just don't think NBA teams do that. And I think that would be a big mistake. At number three overall in my mock draft, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're picking number three. And listen, I don't have James Wiseman number three. He's like number seven or eight on my board. But I know that there are going to be teams out there who do think he's top five. And I've talked to scouts who think he is in that conversation for top three. And after the Cavaliers just drafted Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, assuming none of them, uh, assuming the Cavs don't are, don't want to give up on either of those guys too early, it's hard to picture them drafting another guard. Uh, you know, they can't all three play together if it was Cole Anthony. Plus, Cole Anthony has struggled, uh, shooting 36%. The other game, uh, he had six turnovers and zero assists. Uh, his teammates aren't making shots, and he's still, to me, a top-five player in this draft, and college is maybe not a great fit for him based on the guys around him. Um, but he certainly has room to improve as a decision-maker, as a playmaker, um, and as a finisher in the basket. Anyway, back to James Wiseman, who I think, again, some team is going to draft him top five, um, assuming he comes back and he continues to shoot uh, 70% from the floor and block shots with that 7-6 wingspan. And, you know, even if he doesn't add any skill, he's going to be an easy bucket machine off dump downs, off lobs, off offensive rebounds by running the floor. Um, he's going to block shots just with that 7-6 wingspan alone. The question with Wiseman is, can he improve his skill level uh, in the post, um, in the mid-range? Can he stop taking those silly step-back jumpers? That shouldn't be his game, at least not right now. He's much uh, more effective around the basket and protecting the rim. He's got to get better uh, moving his feet around the perimeter. Um, but a teenager, you can't teach his natural talent, his physical tools and athleticism, which buy him time with his skill level and his awareness and IQ, which can build and grow over time. Uh, sounds like Kevin Love's out of there. Uh, eventually, the Cavs are going to have to have some type of big guy to build with along with their guards. I don't think that there's a wing worth taking at number three overall. I, I would sure be ideal if there was, but you got to play with what you got. And I think Wiseman, to me, uh, in terms of projecting a mock draft, um, I, I could see the Cavaliers totally taking Wiseman at number three. At number four overall, I have the New Orleans Pelicans picking, and I haven't taken Cole Anthony. And I'm sure you have a lot of questions. First of all, Cole hasn't been particularly efficient this year, but you know how is he going to fit with Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday? Well, I think at some point you take the best player available. And to me, there's a gap between Cole and number five, uh, although that could change. He's on thin ice for me. Um, but I still have him in the top five. And also... You know, are the Pelicans going to eventually shop Drew Holiday? They're clearly far away from contending. And I don't know how much Zion Williamson's return will change that. So it's possible they shop uh, Drew Holiday, and that gives them more reason to take Cole. It's also possible that Lonzo Ball plays uh, a, a six-man type role or runs the second unit. Um, I don't think that Lonzo Ball is done, by the way. I still think he's a very good player. But uh, it's easy to think that the Pelicans may be too drawn to Cole Anthony's scoring upside. I mean, he is averaging... Uh, just under 20 a game, 6'3", a good athlete, can create his own shot from any spot on the floor, has deep range, confident guy, loves the game, uh, basketball genes in his blood with Greg, his father, and uh, I, I just think he's a, a safe bet in terms of the NBA and, and his style being a scoring ball handler, pretty much the opposite of Lonzo, who can't score and can pass goals, the opposite of a guy who can really score but needs to improve his passing and decision-making. Anyway, um, I, I, as of now, I would say the Pelicans take 
Cole Anthony as the best player available, although it's really a complete guess. It's so early. A lot is going to change, but that's who I have at number four. At number five, the Atlanta Hawks, who just can't get those wins despite uh, you know Trey Young putting up those big numbers. They sure miss John Collins. Anyway, number five overall, uh, I have the Atlanta Hawks taking on Yeko Okongwu, USA, USC center, who is the number one center on my board. Um, I, I still think somebody is going to eventually just take James Wiseman over him uh, based on his high school uh, ranking and and uh, you know he's been in in under scouts microscope for a longer time than Okongwu, uh, but I love Okongwu and I think he was just slept on by me included. Um, I, I didn't see this coming. He's been just so convincing in terms of the eye test. I mean, six nine two forty five, but super quick, powerful. One scout told me that you know he was like um, the, the Patrick Beverly of centers, and that's funny because James Wiseman. If there's a knock on Wiseman, that's that he doesn't play hard enough or he doesn't play. Uh, hard for full games, or he's a little bit laid back. Okongwu, you know, tears the rim down, plays through guys. Uh, but I think what separated him this year is that he's showing some impressive post moves, uh, lefty touch. He, he's re- rolling really fast um, off those screens and and just making himself available for easy buckets so often. Uh, and then defensively, he's blocking three and a half shots in around 30 minutes per game. Uh, so active and quick off the ground defensively shooting a decent percentage from the free throw line. And it looks like he's just scratching the surface. Uh, and he's been relatively dominant in all the games he's played. And, you know, who knows what he's going to look like next year and the year after that, just based on the improvement he's shown and his competitive fire and, and, and motor and all those buzzwords that describe high-energy guys. Uh, to me, he is a, just a, such a safe bet, but also so much upside because you just don't know where his game can go from here based on where it came from. Uh, just within the past couple of years, the Atlanta Hawks could really use a defensive anchor uh, in the middle. Collins, you know, has, has gotten much better offensively, a 20-point score, but he doesn't change the game defensively, and I think Okongu has the chance to do that while also giving you a, a guy you could feed down low to get you easy baskets. Collins has kind of taken his game out to the perimeter, which he needed to do. Um, I, I like Collins more as that four, and Okongu is that rim protector, the anchor in the paint. Um, and, and we'll see if Atlanta actually goes out and you know, trades for like an Andre Drummond at some point to give them help. Um, but at this point, based on their current roster, after drafting a couple forwards and Reddish and uh, DeAndre Hunter and, and clearly with Trey and Kevin Herter uh, in that backcourt, Okongu makes sense in terms of best player available and fit. All right, let me stop right there to shout out to Roman. Um, it's a difficult subject to talk about, but I'm going to try and make it easy. Uh, erectile dysfunction. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoided altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry honey I'm just not feeling it but with Roman it's easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication it's simple safe and totally discreet with Roman you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home the doctor will, will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate Roman will ship it to you free two-day shipping the whole process is straightforward simple and discreet Getting started is simple. You just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. A complete online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Okay, back to the draft, mock draft. 
Number six overall, Memphis Grizzlies. They've just taken John Morant. They've just taken uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. the year before. And then in this last draft, maybe the seal of the draft, Brandon Clark at number 21. What do they need most? They need a wing. Denny Evdia from Israel. I actually have him right in that mix as best player available. Can certainly make a case 6-8. So well-rounded. Um, a score, a facilitator, a versatile defender. He's not getting much burn in EuroLeague, uh, but in the Israeli League, he's playing very well, shooting over 50%, making around 38% of his threes. Again, scouts will go off what they saw over the summer at the U20 European Championships when he was named MVP. Um, he's been under scouts' eyes for a long time at this point. Um, he's just not ready for consistent minutes in EuroLeague uh, with Maccabi, but his projection is pretty easy. I think he's got one of the highest floors in this draft. Reminds me of Danilo Gallinari in terms of his face-up scoring ability and positional size is that 3-4 combo forward. I think he'd fit perfectly in Memphis. Ja at the 1. Denny Abdia on the wing. Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr. I love what they'd be building there in Memphis. So that's who I have them taking Abdia at number 6 to Memphis. At number 7, Washington Wizards. They're going to have a really interesting uh, discussion, debate in this draft because there are going to be point guards available. And John Wall, I know he's out with this Achilles. The big question is, what's he going to look like when he comes back? He's still going to have a, a couple of years left on his deal where he's getting paid a ton. Do the Wizards take this opportunity to take a point guard, A, for insurance, uh, or just in case Wall isn't the same player, which he probably won't be based on the history of Achilles injuries? Um, or do they also take a point guard because they may be the best player available? Or do they just go based on fit? I don't think fit makes sense. I know they're playing pretty well this year or better than expectations would suggest. Rui was a good player. A good So far, been a good pick in the draft. Um, I guess they need a wing most. They need a center most. But to me, Nico Mannion is A, the best player available, and B, insurance for John Wall, which I think they're going to need. Either way, I don't even mind the idea of John Wall playing with Nico Mannion. I like the two-point guard lineup. And Mannion is such a good shooter, you could probably play him off the ball. Uh, unbelievable shot preparation, running off screens. Um, spotting up. He's just a very versatile shot maker. His strengths really that separate him is still his well-roundedness. He's an excellent passer, score, uh, competitor, uh, does a great job of changing speeds. He doesn't have Cole Anthony's physical tools or explosion, uh, but he knows how to get by guys and knows how to uh, use that hesitation. Uh, And then again, he's got the floater. He's got the pull-up. He can work off the ball as a shooter. I just think he's just the most complete guard prospect left and again, the best player left on the board uh, for too many reasons. I have him going number seven to the Washington Wizards. At number eight, the Chicago Bulls, uh, Jaden McDaniels from Washington. Um, he wouldn't be my pick, but I think somebody's going to fall in love with him. And uh, there's just a lot of upside tied to his 6'9 size, face-up skills, um, that scoring mismatch combo forward. So far, it, it, they've come in flashes. We've seen three-point range. We've seen a pull-up game. He's creating his own shot. He's seen ball handling ability, uh, even in traffic. Defensive playmaking ability, chase down blocks. The thing with Jaden McDaniels is always consistency. Um, can he stay locked in? Uh, will he be able to execute uh, when he's got an NBA-caliber defender on him? Uh, he's taken advantage of inferior physical defenders so far at the college level. Um, you know, he's got to stay focused. That, that's always been the thing with Jaden McDaniels, but there's no question about his talent, uh, about his skill uh, package. Uh, when you mix it with his size, um, it just spells mismatch and it spells NBA potential and upside and everyone's going to love the idea of him, but will it come to fruition? 
Uh, so anyway, uh, the, the Bulls have players at all positions. Larry Markkinen is actually taking a step back this year. Uh, I, I think that the Bulls aren't going to be paying too much attention to fit, to position. They'll take the best guy on their board. And Jaden McDaniels, in terms of upside, has a case to be that guy at number eight. At number nine, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, R.J. Hampton playing with the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, I think in that late lottery range, there are going to be a lot of teams who are eyeing Hampton. 6-6, he's holding his own overseas. Really mature kid, has a matured game. He's making some impressive adjustments uh, as a ball screen playmaker, which I didn't think he'd be able to do this early. Good good passer, uh, can play some one. He's taking the ball up the court for New Zealand, but he's also playing some two off the ball. Uh, a decent set shot maker. He's got to improve his pull-up game, but he's very good in transition, getting to the basket, finishing around it. Uh, good defensive tools. He's somebody you just want to bet on figuring it out. I don't know how much upside he is. I don't know if I, I see a star. I see a good player. And Charlotte, I think, is going to need an upgrade at that two-spot. Malik Monk, it doesn't look like he's going to pan out to be uh, the lottery-caliber player. Um, that's where they took him at number 11 overall a couple of years ago. And Nicholas Batum, I don't know how long he's going to be there for either. So R.J. Hampton, I, I like going uh, to play next to Devontae Graham um, and uh, and Terry Rozier. What a great story those two have been, particularly Devontae Graham. Um, to me, he is the most improved player. So Charlotte, uh, also one of the surprise teams for me, despite the fact that they're in the lottery, I thought they'd be in that conversation for worst team in the league, but throwing P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges. Uh, so I like what they're building there. In Charlotte, and, and R.J. Hampton would certainly be another solid building block. Number 10 overall, Portland Trailblazers. Obi Toppin from Dayton. Breakout player. He was on everyone's breakout watch, but I don't think we saw him breaking into the top 10. He reminds me a ton of Amari Stoudemire, uh, both physically, uh, even just their posture and the way that they move and the way that they dunk. They look the same. Um, and, and then skill-wise, he's knocked down 10 threes already. Um, he had 11 all last year. His shooting looks much better. He looks far more skilled in the post. He doesn't have great defensive upside. May have the same problems that, that Amari did. But offensively, he is too convincing. I think he's going to be a handful around the basket off pick and rolls. Back to the basket, facing the basket within 15 feet. And he already looks like a guy who's going to be able to stretch you out from behind the arc with his shooting strokes. So I think Obi, Obi Toppin uh, is going to be a nice fit, a power forward for a Portland team who obviously their identity is built around their backcourt. Number 11, uh, I'm actually watching this game as I'm recording uh, Killian Hayes, by the way, watching his team, I should say, um, in Germany. He's playing right now, having a little bit of trouble. Um, I don't know if he's going to go as high as number 11. That's where I have him right now. He may drop after um, if he continues to struggle a little bit um, against longer defenses, but still uh, a top 20 player, and I think Detroit could really use another point guard to stay, start building with. I know Derrick Rose has been pretty good. I know Reggie Jackson is still there, but in terms of needs, in terms of in that mix for best player available, Killian Hayes is a table setter, uh, a very good passer. He ranks number fourth um, in Euro Cup in assists per game. He's just 18 years old, very crafty off the dribble, can make every pass in the book, and he's an improved shooter. Um, but he's got to improve more, and he's got to get a little bit better finishing uh, inside traffic. He's not the most explosive athlete, but again, I don't think you can nitpick in this draft uh, once you go outside the top 10. And if the Pistons are looking for point guards, I think Killian Hayes is right there in that mix for best available. At number 12, San Antonio Spurs. I haven't taken a point guard as well. Uh, and also from overseas, another French one, uh, Teo Maladon. Um, he's playing in EuroLeague. He also plays for Tony Parker's team. And Tony Parker, obviously, with ties to San Antonio, uh, 
Teo Maldon is such a, a, a typical Spurs type guy. Really a smart player, thinks the game well. Doesn't really blow you away with explosiveness, but he does basketball IQ and skill. Knows how to run a team. Um, pretty good shooter for uh, his age. And uh, I know DeJounte Murray is there, but in terms of lead decision makers, I actually think that um, Teo Maladon is a better lead decision maker. Murray, I don't know what type of guard he's going to be once he hits his peak. Uh, maybe he's more of a, uh, a spark type guy. Um, and maybe he is a lead guard. I, I think either way they can coexist. And, and at the same time, Teo Maladon just might be the best player available. So uh, between the ties to Tony Parker, between the typical player that the Spurs typically target, and between the fact that DeJounte Murray may not be the best choice for a lead guard given his lack of scoring upside. I know he can fill up box scores and be a triple-double threat, but without the jump shot and without that scoring uh, skill set with the pull-up game, um, Maladon might be a a more attractive option. Anyway, number 13 overall, Sacramento Kings, Tyrese Maxey. I actually really like Maxey. He's really cooled off since opening night when he dropped 26 on Michigan State. His shot has stopped falling. Um, but I, again, I just I, I buy into his body, 6'3", really strong, um, can pull up, has a great floater game, can finish after contact around the basket. His three ball, the percentages haven't been there, but I'm buying long-term his shot-making ability. And I think Kentucky, I mean, uh, Sacramento is going to love the idea of pairing uh, the former Kentucky guards, De'Aaron Fox, with Tyrese Maxey, whether Maxey is a guy who they think of as a six-man <coughs> or whether they think of Buddy Heald as a six-man. Either way, I think Maxi is the best player available at number 13. Uh, just another exciting guard to add to Sacramento's court. All right, I'm going to start flying through these guys faster. Minnesota Timberwolves, Isaac Okoro, um, one of the safest high-floor guys in this draft. I don't know if he has great scoring upside, but Okoro is a uh, small forward who is arguably the best wing defender in the draft. Really, really strong, lower body, uh, quick feet. Um, long arms, and somebody who could really lock you down, guard three, four positions on the floor, and he's shooting 70% inside the arc. The biggest question with Okoro is can he make jump shots? Uh, I'm just looking at a stroke. I think eventually he'll be able to make enough of them. Uh, I like his fit in Minnesota uh, next to Andrew Wiggins, who's that big-time scorer now, but he doesn't give you the intangibles and the defense that Okoro does. At number 15, Phoenix Suns, Josh Green from Arizona. Explosive. Uh, Another Terrific wing defender. Needs to improve his shot creativity, but he's going to get you buckets by slashing. He's got a floater. He can make set three-point shots, and I think he's going to be a very strong role player, a defensive-minded guy at the NBA level. Um, I know Mikael Bridges is there in Phoenix, but Josh Green fits uh, with what they already have, with what they need in terms of defense um, and energy, and I think Josh Green will be in that mix for best player available at number 15. Number 16, Jeremiah Robinson Earl to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, a power forward, uh, another high floor, maybe low ceiling type of guy. Not very explosive, but it's 6'9", 230. He's got great hands. Uh, he's got great touch in the mid-range. Um, and, and just a very smart, high IQ type player who I think is going to last a, a long time and be able to contribute early. Uh, Robinson Earl for Villanova um, will be another good, I think, play. Villanova keeps churning out NBA players. I think uh, Robinson Earl will be the next one. Number 17 overall, Tyrese Halliburton to the Orlando Magic. I know Fultz has been a great story. They could still use some more guard help. And Halliburton is one of the best passers in the country, and he's improved greatly as a shot maker and scorer this year. Had a couple 20-point games already. I don't think he had any last year, or maybe one. 
But anyway, he's improved. He's got that uh, 6'5 size or so um, in that range, at least, if I'm not quoting his measurements uh, exactly accurate. But anyway, uh, one of the best facilitators in the game. Um, totally reads reads it well. Uh, pick and roll passes, setting the table for teammates. If he can make enough threes, um, he's got the chance to be a steal at number 17. He reminds me a lot of Lonzo Ball. Um, that's this type of guy who's not going to give you 25 at the NBA level, but can put guys in the right spots, uh, get them where they need it, uh, and create easier shots, make the game easier for guys around him. Um, and I think that would be a good fit for Orlando. And number 18, another uh, point guard, this one uh, to the Utah Jazz, uh, Kyra Lewis. Lewis is a sophomore, and he's going to play his whole sophomore year at 18 years old. He's averaging around 24 and 5. Had a good game against Cole Anthony, uh, where he held his own. And Anthony is a freshman, but he's older than him. But anyway, uh, just another um, very complete guard. Maybe not the most explosive, but very quick off the dribble. Gets into the paint, makes things happen. And once he gets there, he's very fluid off the dribble with his footwork, with his finishing. Needs to improve his pull-up game, but a very accurate set shooter. And uh, again, he's going to he's gonna finish two years of college as a full-time guard. Um, and he won't be 19 until the summer. Um, so I think the Jazz could use um, another point guard. Mike Conley's not having a great year, and who knows uh, where he's going to go from here. I think they can kind of groom Lewis and to be that guy who complements Donovan Mitchell in Utah. Number 19, I'm somebody who I have been down on to start the year, and I've talked badly about, honestly, uh, um, is Vernon Carey Jr. of Duke, who's been really, really good the past couple games. He looks quicker in terms of his movement. He's been dominant. Um, in his older school ways, playing back to the basket. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, I have them taking him um, in this spot as an offensive-minded big man. He's blocking a lot of shots, but I think his value at the next level is going to be uh, post-play, um, commanding double teams down there, pr- putting pressure on the offensive glass, finishing, and I think he should be blocking shots as long as he continues to improve. His body was listed at 275 to start the year. Looks much quicker than a guy at 275. Uh, I'm not buying a shooting just yet. But uh, he does like to shoot it from out there. When he's open, that would be a big boost for him if he could start making jump shots. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks at number 20. I have him taking Paul Reed. Paul Reed's averaging five and a half blocks and steals per game combined. He's improved tremendously of a decent defensive player. Last year, he was the most improved player in the Big East. Uh, this year, he's averaging 15 and 10. And again, five and a half combined, uh, what we call stocks, blocks plus steals. Um, uh, he just keeps getting better. He's 6'9". He's got shooting range. He's skilled inside the arc. And with this defense improvement, I think he's going to be too tough to pass on, um, assuming he starts to make enough jump shots uh, once Big East play starts. Uh, I think he's completely rising up boards and certainly one of the breakout players I really like this year. Um, let's fly through number 21 to 30. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder at number 21. They get their pick from the Denver Nuggets. Landers Nolly. Um, from Virginia Tech. He didn't play last year. He's really wasted no time this year. Uh, was ineligible last year. He is eligible this year, 6'7", uh, versatile shooter, averaging around 18 a game, um, around three assists, good passer, uh, just uh, an impressive shot maker from all levels of the floor. And I think his scoring ability with his size is going to draw first-round interest by the season's end. 22, uh, Preston Achua, Memphis power forward, 6'9", 225. Um, he's totally physical tools and athleticism. Um, over skills at this point, but uh, he uses those tools to his advantage around the basket. He slides his feet well um, around the perimeter defensively, and he shows enough flashes of a face-up play, of uh, being able to make an open shot, although he hasn't really done it yet. I've seen him since high school, Montverde Academy, 
um, and, and just somebody who you kind of hope that his skill set catches up to as an athleticism. And again, that 6'9", 225 size, some team is going to see upside this late and ignore the fact that he's just not very polished. Number 23, Houston Rockets. Trey Jones, I think everybody knows who Trey Jones is and, and what he's likely to be in the NBA. Maybe a backup. Kind of reminds me a bit of, of Amante Morris. Um, a good decision maker, high IQ passer, very pesky defender. Um, he's being a lot more aggressive this year with his shot. We've seen mixed results. Uh, but I think he's trying to show that he's a better scorer than he was last year. Uh, and he certainly has more of a workload uh, this year and, and uh, more freedom to look for his own shot. Probably never going to be his bread and butter in the NBA. His value at the next level is pressuring ball handlers and making good reads and passes offensively. I think that's enough uh, to eventually be like a 20-minute guy off the bench on a playoff team. Uh, at number 24, uh, Zeke Naji, uh, Arizona breakout freshman who not a lot of people saw as a, as a one-and-done guy, but 6'11", great hands, high motor, um, shooting 70% from the floor. Not a very flashy player, but just a guy whose game, whose game screams role player. Uh, just you know, good hands around the basket, good footwork. He, he's going to get you those post buckets. Um, he, he's going to crash the glass. He, he's going to win 50-50 balls. And I think he's got the chance to be a good team defender. Just a just a, a fine, nothing sexy about his game. But again, uh, a role player at the next level with, with NBA tools. I think he's like a late first-round guy. Uh, number 25, Isaiah Stewart um, from Washington. I think this might be low for most people, but I just don't love his upside. He's going to be a high-floor guy. Uh, maybe he could be like Montrez Harrell uh, for the Clippers, just a physical enforcer. I don't think he's got Harrell's athleticism, uh, but he's a bully and enforcer um, inside, plays through contact. It uh, doesn't rebound at a, at a rate you wish he did, but um, again, he's, he, he puts pressure on the offensive glass, putbacks, uh, low post guy, and he plays really, really hard. I just think he's a safe bet. He probably gives you good value late in the first round. I just don't think he's going to be anyone's plan A. I think he's going to be like a backup option. Some teams might rather take the chance and hire upside guys than Stewart. Uh, at 26, Brooklyn Nets get this pick from the 76ers. Jordan Nora from Louisville, one of the best players in the country, 6'8". Uh, Big-time scorer, 20 points a game, and this year he's shooting around 45% from behind the arc. Uh, I just think when the team is going to look at Nora, they're going to say, okay, 6'8", shot maker from all levels of the floor. That's enough for me. Uh, a guy who could just put it in the hoop um, and in various different ways. And I think uh, he should be a guy who ends up generating late first-round interest, despite the fact he's not a great passer, may not be a great defender or athlete. Uh, but again, scoring upside teams, love shot makers, and that's Jordan Nora. And number seven, uh, Miami Heat. Uh, going after, to me, Jamias Ramsey um, from Texas Tech. He's been out the last couple games uh, with a leg injury. Um, but when he was playing, he was he just really popped. 6'6", strong, explosive, big-time shot maker. I was averaging 18 a game. May never be a big-time playmaker, but he knows how to put the ball in the hoop like Nora. Um, younger, a lot more upside, a little bit more explosiveness, has a solid pull-up game. The, the jumper looks sweet, and he can slice to the rack. 3-and-D guy with driving ability. I really like Ramsey. He surprised me so far this season. 28, Boston Celtics, Aaron Henry from Michigan State. Uh, hasn't made the jump I kind of thought he'd make, but... He does enough things, right? He checks enough boxes where I think he's going to carve out an NBA role, uh, with, with starting with the 6'6 size. I think he's an excellent team defender, makes good reads. He makes open shots. He hits open lanes. He just hasn't taken that step forward with his creativity as a one-on-one -on -one guy, as a passer playmaker. But 
But again, I think in the right fit, some team's going to find a way to optimize Aaron Henry um, as a very quality, just reliable role player um, at both ends of the floor. Um, 29, Boston Celtics, they get this pick again. Um, this one's from the Bucks. Aaron Naismith, Vanderbilt, one of the best shot makers in the country. He went from averaging 11 points a game to 22. Uh, a three-point machine this year, averaging over three, four threes per game. Um, like nearly 50% from downtown. That number is probably going to drop with every game. But uh, you can't ignore the fact that he's 6'6", this good of a shooter, and not just set shooter, running off screens, uh, leaking out in transition, um, and of course spotting up, But uh, and even shots in the post that, that I didn't expect to see. He, he's turned into a pretty big score, um, but again, physical tools and shooter, that combination is enough, I think, for late first-round interest. And number 30, Los Angeles Lakers, Devin Vassell, uh, Florida State, 3 and D, sophomore. Um, I, I just love his fit in the NBA. Not really a big creator, but big-time athlete, uh, good uh, three-point shooter, and a very convincing defender to me. I think he's going to be able to guard both wing positions, and some team, um, a playoff team who doesn't need any stars or any big creators is going to look at the cell and just see a fit and a role player that they value. That'll do it uh, for this week's mock draft. We should get in more quality games to talk about. I'll probably get a, a guest next week to go back and forth. Um, any questions, uh, tweet me, NBA Draft Was. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening.